so glad you're here today. If uh, you would grab your Bible and meet me in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Last week we started a new series called Hive Mind. And in your city groups, you're, you're digging into some details about bees and about what a beehive is. And isn't it incredible that the God of the universe, this intelligent designer who's not afraid of history, not afraid of science, has woven so many things together and they just make sense. When you study bees, you realize that they reflect a lot of what humans do and what humans are. And so you're digging into that. But last week I I said that we had to start before the mind of Christ because the Apostle Paul makes this crazy statement in 1 Corinthians that if you know Jesus, you have the mind of Christ. But what I started with you last week and where I want to continue the conversation this morning is there are so many days of the year, of the month, of the week that I don't experience the mind of Christ on Monday or Tuesday. Now, maybe you make it through Monday. Maybe you're, maybe you're super spiritual and you make it through Monday. But by the time Tuesday comes around or Wednesday or Thursday... Life has its way of beating it out of you. So what does that mean though? Because the gospel, the good news is simply this, that Jesus, God, enjoying the splendors of heaven at the right hand of the Father, was sent on a mission by his Father to come to earth as a baby, to live a life that you couldn't live for 33 years and then to die on the cross a death that you could not die to pay the penalty for the sins that you did commit and be made right with God and then adopted into his family, the church. The church. That's why you're here right now in this moment because you've been adopted into the family of God. What an incredible privilege. And yet, life doesn't always feel this good. (laughs) Life doesn't always work out the way that you think it should. And so what we talked about last week, I just want to take that a step farther and take it from the theoretical cloud, the ideas about church that we love, And I want to bring it into real life because that's exactly what the Bible does. I don't know what your background is, but today if you feel like the Bible is just an ancient book that can't speak to you, today is your day. Because in Romans chapter 7, one of the great heroes of our faith, the Apostle Paul, is going to describe your life. (laughs) He's going to describe my life. He's going to describe his life. Now listen, for those of you who are in the church, if we were on Instagram stories right now, I would put up a poll and say, how many of you think the Apostle Paul was a little better at this Christian life than you are? And we would all go ahead and hit that, yah, not nat. Is that how we do it? I can check with my, with my teenagers over here to uh, check my language. They, they did not respond, so that was wrong. All right, I apologize to all, all of you cool people. But, you know what I'm talking about, right? So Sometimes it's easy to take this book 
to take this book and, and elevate it to such a place that we forget that Paul was a real guy in a real place with real struggles. Before he became a Christian, he murdered Christians. He was ISIS. He was Al-Qaeda. And we can't forget about that. And then he had an encounter with Jesus. And everything changed. Saul the persecutor became Paul the apostle. But how many of you know that when you come to Jesus, there's some baggage that you drag along behind you? (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if... Uh, we gave our life to Jesus and suddenly there was no financial worry. There was no addiction. There was no relationships that need to be mended. There was no problem with your boss. You always bore the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> that, that's, that, I, don't, I guess I can't speak for you, but I think I can. I think that's not the way we always experience life. Can I get a good amen in church? <laughs> but look at what the great Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7, if you have a Bible, if not, it'll be on the screen, but starting in verse 18. And let's just read 18 and 19 for for just a second. Listen to what he says. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is, in my flesh. You ever feel like that some days? I just can't get this thing right. Nothing good dwells in me, for I know that nothing dwells good in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. That's life. That is your life, and that is my life. We were saying last week that one of the thing, there's two things that level the playing field of life. One is sin and one is death. There, there are two things that whatever your worldview is today that you have to answer, you have to reconcile, that someday you're going to die. And while you're here, there's this thing called sin that just gets in the way. And, and even if you don't want to look at your life, if you just look around the culture and around the world that we live in, the greatest country on earth, is one of the most medicated countries on earth. The greatest country on earth, the freest country on earth, struggles with issues of racism, politics. We could just go on. And so, as you look around, we we have to be honest, just like the Bible's honest. I've got this idea, this belief system that I know is right but I just don't have the ability to carry it out am I describing anybody's life I think I'm describing all of our lives God's law is a good thing look at verse 22 for I delight in the law of God I love going to church. I love listening to the preaching. I love reading my version Bible app. I, lo- I love the law. I love God's word. In my inner being, verse 23, but I see in my members, that's just a fancy way to translate, but my hands and my feet and my eyes and my mouth, 
They're doing something else. Look what he says. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And look at what he declares in verse 24. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? If we were to just delete your social media, get you a flip phone, and then we were going to have coffee in a private place that none of your friends were going to be, and you were just to be honest with me, I think that we could both describe to each other what Paul just described to each other. There's a lot of Tuesdays that you wake up Look back at Monday and say, I'm just, I'm a terrible person. I'm a wretched man. And for all of us, it's different reasons why we get to that point. But one thing is true is that we all get to that point. Even the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine every morning when Paul woke up? thinking about Stephen. As Paul, as Saul, the Bible tells a story in Acts where Saul was at the stoning of a guy named Stephen who loved Jesus. And the Bible, Luke, Luke, another disciple of Jesus, wrote the book of Acts and he puts this little detail in there. And he says, and standing off to the side holding everybody's coats, was this guy named Saul because he approved of the execution of Stephen. Can you imagine what every day as Paul got up and went to serve Jesus, the the doubts and the lies that Satan put in his mind? You see, but it was Paul who wrote to the Corinthian church, you have the mind of Christ. So Paul's describing our life He's saying, wretched man, who will deliver me from this body of death? The, the guy that I want to be, the guy that I know I'm supposed to be, I'm not doing that guy. The law of God is good. But it is good in a very specific way. It does not feel good. This is for somebody today, and you should write it down. Not everything that feels good is good. Not everything that feels bad is bad. God's law has some very specific purposes. If you're taking notes today, or you grab notes in your um, worship guide on the way in, or you can find them on Version Bible app under events, and our, our event will be right there, and you can fill these in. But there's three uses of God's law. Let me give them to you real quick. Number one, the first use of God's law is a mirror. It's a mirror. The second one is a restraint. A restraint. And the third one is a guide. Mirror, restraint, and guide. It's a mirror because if we had time to work through Romans, and someday we will... But if you were to read through Romans, the first couple chapters just describe the world. You know, and a lot of times in, in the Christian world, we, we get hung up on in Romans 1 where it talks about 
uh, certain sins being bad, like certain things like homosexuality or the things that the, the church gets picked on for. But that was never the point of Romans chapter one, just so you know. It's true, but you know what the very next statement is after that? Children who disobey their parents. Apparently in God's eyes, the big ones and the small ones are the same. That's why Jesus said things like, before you go out into culture and start pointing things out that are wrong with other people, you should probably take care of the giant log that's in your own eye. Because we get good at that, don't we? We Do this church thing for a little bit, and then we go out there and be like, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. (laughs) You know, and it's like, you're bad too. And so Paul's describing that, right? What a wretched person. But it's a good thing because as that, as God holds up that mirror to you, you, you know what you'll never know unless God shows you who you are first, who he is. Because if you never have the mirror of God's law held up to you, you will never think that you need Jesus. You will always think that you can do one more thing better or do that other thing this way or talk to this person or read that book or listen to that podcast or do this or do that. And you're going you're gonna to figure it out because... It, so let me... In our family, my last name is Kuhn. We have three kids, eight, six, and two. Pray for your, pray for your pastor. And uh, pray, pray for your pastor's wife is what you should say. And we look at our kids sometimes when they do something really stupid. Anybody, any parents in the house? Like you look at your kid when they do something really stupid. I see that hand. <laughs> we just look at them and we go, this is bad parenting advice, but I normally start with, what are you doing? And then I'm like, made in the image of God. You're their picture of Jesus. Why did you do that, sweetie? <laughs> you know? But then we'll say something like this. If it's not something that God specifically says, but it's something that mommy and daddy really want, we say something like this. That's not what coons do. That's not what coons do. That way we're not putting it on God. It's, it, it, daddy doesn't like that. <laughs> not what coons do but if you never allow god to get down on one knee and hold up the mirror of his law you see because jesus said be perfect because i am perfect if your plan is to do more and try harder and earn the love of god you are going to fall woefully short And you're going to be unsatisfied and unfulfilled for the rest of your life. But as God holds up his law, the words, the the ways of life that are right and true and just. And you fall short of that every day. It's the grace of God being held up saying, you can't do this. But Jesus did. Without God's mirror being held up in front of you, you will never see your need for Jesus. The mirror. But then there's a restraint. After you come to Christ, you've been shown who you are and you realize your need for Jesus and then you begin to live your Christian life. There's what Paul is describing here is these things that I want to do that I don't do and the things that I don't want to do, I do do. 
Well, the things that you don't want to do that you do do, God's law comes alongside of you and says, flee temptation. And we go through this whole book and, and there's tons of things in here that, that you would be like, see, God does make demands on me. They're, they're not demands. You will, the mirror of God's law is to show you that you're not perfect. The restraint is to once you are made right with God, that you would begin to see what is in front of you for what it is. That you would see temptation and you would feel that inner struggle. That you would see those things. It's nothing to do with your vertical relationship with God. It has everything to do with your horizontal relationship to people. See, because your choices don't affect your standing with God. But don't you know that your choices affect your standing with each other? Your choices affect your job. Your choices affect your family. Your choices affect your friendships. And we go on and on and on. So so there's the mirror. There's the restraint pulling you back. Don't do that because you're going to ruin a relationship. Don't do that because you're going to lose your job. Don't do that because you're going to ruin your life. Don't do that. It's not God saying, get out of the family. (laughs) It's God saying, don't do that. It's not good. And then there's the guide, the third use of the law, where God's not saying, don't do that. He's saying, do this, do this. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Yes, eternally, but here. When Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, pray this way. My father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. If you're not dead, God's not done you have a life that can be lived to his glory and it doesn't matter what you did in the past you can stop that now and you can live for jesus what an what an incredible grace of god the mirror the restraint and the guide three uses of the law but let, let me show you from paul's words here how that plays out okay number one in your notes you have to know whose you are To be able to carry out who you are. You have to know whose you are to be able to carry out who you are. You see, what what Paul says in here is, I I have these things that I want to do and I can't do them. But listen to what his answer is in verse 25. Listen to what he says. So he just said in verse 24, wretched man that I am, who's going to save me from this body of death? But then listen to what he says. His immediate answer to that, he's having a conversation with himself. Listen to what he says. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. But listen to what he says in Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by your flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Regardless of how many mistakes you've made in the past, how many mistakes you're going to make in the future, regardless of the mistakes you're making right now, Jesus has finished the work on your behalf. You can be made right with God right now because of what Jesus did on your behalf. He paid the price 
eternally for you. So the first step to you not doing those things you don't want to do is to look up. It's to look up. Our culture tells us to look in. That there's something in you, there's something better in you, that there's beauty in you. And what the Bible gloriously tells you is don't look in, look out, look up. Because the one who made you is the one who loves you and the one who made you and loves you is the one who is purchasing your freedom. There's freedom in Christ. You know, because some of the fruits of slavery to sin, some of the fruit of being apart from Christ are, are things like depression, things like mental illness, things like suicidal thoughts, all very real things, but all very real lies from Satan. L- listen to this. Who among us isn't in this? Here's the definition of depression, the, the official definition. A mental condition characterized by feelings of severe despondency and dejection, typically also with feelings of inadequacy and guilt, often accompanied by lack of energy and disturbance of appetite and sleep. Who among us hasn't fallen into that category at some point in our life, if not right now? Well, we, we look all around our country and, and the medications and the people committing suicide. And there, there was a 30-year-old pastor two weeks ago who had a growing, thriving church on, the out, on all accounts on the outside. Things looked great, and he took his life. He had two little kids and a wife. Depression's a real thing. It's a fruit of slavery. And what Jesus wants you to know today is whatever your illness is, it's not your identity. Your identity is not the illness that you have. Your identity, Paul says, is in Christ. Because Paul just described, I'm not doing any of the things I want to do. If he would have put a parenthesis in there, he would have been like, I'm, I'm a freaking apostle, man. And I can't even get this right. So he's telling the Romans, these Christians, listen, whatever it feels like, whatever it looks like, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you're in, you're in. If you could lose your salvation, you would lose it. You're not going to because God holds you. God holds you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Paul was asking the questions that you are asking about life. And he says, you have to know whose you are to ever be able to carry out who you are. You see, that mirror that God holds up isn't for you to try harder. It's for you to give up and give your life to Jesus and allow him to live through you. That's the beauty of the gospel. You see, because if you go down just a little bit farther in, in verse 7 of chapter 8, here's what he says. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What is your choice in the matter? To set your mind on whose you are, not who you are. Who you are in the mirror right now is not whose you are. And your mind set on who you are in the flesh is hostile to God. And you cannot please God like that. So the choice that you have to make today is to take your mind off of you, hostile to God, and set it, Hebrews says, 
fix your eyes on Jesus, who's the author of your faith. He gave it to you in the first place and the finisher of your faith. And he's going to take you where he wants you to go. So my choice every day is to get up and choose Jesus. Get up and choose Jesus. And when I don't and I fall, I go back and I say, nope, that was who I was, but it's not whose I am. And I fix my eyes back on Jesus. That is our daily decision. The second thing there, my point number two in your notes is simply this. Dad, help! <laughs> you got to talk to him. You got to talk to him. God has given us his law to help us get that proper perspective of ourselves. And as long as you're under the delusion that you can achieve victory for yourself, you are never going to feel satisfied. Verse 18, Paul says, nothing good dwells inside of me. I desire to do right, but I can't carry it out. God allows you to come to that conclusion. That's a gift. And instead of feeling under the weight of that, feel the freedom of the fact that God saw you as you were and made you something different. Paul makes that incredible declaration there. Wretched man, who's going to deliver me? <laughs> who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And his immediate response is, thanks be to God for Jesus. You've got to come to that place as you make that decision to choose Jesus every single day to, re to realize that you can only do that with his help. That you would just get up every morning and your, your cry would just be, help, help, help me. And then number three, the beauty of making those first two decisions is that all of us suffer. But number three in your notes is that you can suffer with Jesus. You know, coming to Christ, giving your life to Christ today, crossing that line of faith isn't going to take away the addiction. It can, but it might not. Crossing the line of faith may make something in your life more difficult, not easier. But when that happens, you get to suffer with Jesus instead of apart from Jesus. And that's going to make all the difference in your life. All those problems now become opportunities because once you're clear on who you are outside of Christ and he adopts you into Christ and you join him it changes everything. Look at verse 10. I love this. Romans 8, verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Listen to this. Somebody needs to hang their life on this verse today. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you what's 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 the hope this morning what's the good news this morning is that what you see on the outside <laughs> is not the reality of who you are on the inside that in jesus through the holy spirit you can have life you can have life eternally. If you don't know Jesus, today's the day. Give your life to Jesus. If you do know him, you can have life on Tuesday. 
Amen? (laughs) Daily decisions to say, I'm not who I see in the mirror because of Christ. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? The band's going to come up. And they're going to lead us in a song. The song is called Overcome. And what, what we want to encourage you to do this morning is that as you sing these words, as you listen to the band sing these words, that you would commune, that you would talk to your God. If you've never given your life to Jesus, today's the day. It's really simple. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. Believe what? What I talked about today. That who you are does not have to be whose you are. And there's freedom in that. And there's life and hope in that. And if you are a follower of Jesus, I don't know where you're at today, but wherever you are, I do know that Jesus made a promise to you at the end of the text I read that if you're in Christ, He will bring life to you right now. Right now. But you got to surrender. You got to, the Bible says, lay your life down and you'll find it. Real, recognize that you need Jesus and you need the church. You need each other. I need you. We have a beautiful thing in the family of God. So as we listen to these words, I just want you to pray them, sing them, and believe them because they're true. Let's sing this out together.